Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and today I am joined by someone who wears her fandom on her sleeve every day and has created a community here in New York City to support her club. Please welcome to the show, president and founder of Real Madrid NYC Supporter Club, Madridista Elena Ponce. Bienvenidos, Elena. <laughs> Muchas gracias. Thank you so much <laughs> for the warm welcome. Thank it's you a so much to be here. here. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, this is the fourth season of the podcast, and I still cannot believe it is taking me so long to get a Madridista, let alone a La Liga representative on here. I've tried to reach out so many times, but for reasons unknown, it's not happened. So I'm so happy that you're the first La Liga and Madrid representative and to bring us on a wonderful tour of your wonderful country and the team that you love. Of course, uh, that, that would be my pleasure because, you know, it's really easy to talk about the things you love. So <laughs> that's a fact. You're, but here's the thing. You're originally from Valencia. So how did you become yes. a Madrid supporter? That, that, like, that connection doesn't happen. Well, that's very easy because uh, my whole family is a Real Madrid fan. Um, they originally come from like the middle of Spain. I was mm. born in Valencia, but they sort of ended up there for work reasons. So my father is a Madridista. My cousin, whom I grew up with, he's like a year older than me. He's a Madridista. My, my uncle, everyone was a Madridista growing up. Even in Valencia, everyone was supporting Madrid. Really? Everything, yes. Everything switched. In fact, I think I remember, well, I mean, I don't remember that because I was too young. But in the 80s, I think the Bernabeu got shut down because of some something. Mm -hmm. And the... Um, the uh, field that they chose to play as if they were home was Valencia, Mestalla. Oh. The thing switched around Mijatovic in 1997, it was. So Mijatovic was the best player I've ever seen in my life. He was playing for Valencia, Peja Mijatovic. He was unbelievable, so good. And, uh, you know, there's buyout clauses in Mariga. Mm -hmm. So we paid his buyout clause. And then that was like Valencian, I'm Valencian. So uh, we're very passionate. We're Mediterranean. You know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Your Italian background. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, so we, you know, everybody went nuts. They, they just hated us. They went from like sympathizing with Real Madrid or being, you know, to be a fan of Real Madrid in Valencia was okay. Uh, to like complete hate. And to the point that they, I think there's, there's been just one or two transfers since then. Uh, they rather sell players to Barcelona than to Madrid, but that that was triggered by by Mijatovic moving to Madrid through a buyout clause. What? So here's the interesting thing: I just recently watched the Figo documentary on Netflix, and it uh -huh. and it recalled all those things from 20 years yeah. ago that I kind of forgot yeah. about. Because now transfers are so fluid and it's so easy. Like there was even talk of last season that Ronaldo might go to Manchester City, even though he's, a, you know, a United bandiera, if you will. So, um, you know, we've seen players in Italy go from Inter to Milan with no problem. There's like, you know, you know, the fans will thumb their nose and, you know, say something, but it generally isn't as crazy as it is in Spain. Like in the Figo documentary kind of reminded me of that. So what was that like in that era with Figo going from Barca to Madrid 
<laughs> and like the pandemonium. And now that you're telling me this story about what happened in Valencia, is this I, like, I guess what I'm trying to ask here is that is Madrid the mo- also the most hated team in Spain because of what they do? No, I mean, the thing is, you know, it's the best team. So clearly everyone's going to hate them. You know, I mean, everyone that's not a Madridista. So the problem is that there's a lot of Madridistas, you know. So the only thing is that you hear a lot the anti-Madridistas because that's a very strong feeling. You know, the dark side leads to bad things. (laughs) No, but I mean... Uh, it's normal. And in fact, Barca has done more buyout clause to like, they, they bought Rivaldo in the last day back in the 90s for 4,000, I don't remember, in, in euros, but it was a, a, a lot of money. And um, and Deportivo doesn't really hate Barca. I don't know why. It's just like, um, they've also uh, taken a lot of players from Valencia, like more players from Valencia at their, at their prime. And they Valencia doesn't hate them as much, I think, because they still sell players to Barca. But if Madrid asks for a player from Valencia, they're like, nope, nope. I mean, I remember Mendieta. We wanted to buy Mendieta. And uh, they rather sold it to Lazio, who couldn't pay back, actually. So they lost a lot of money for not selling to us. The last one I recall is Albiol. Albiol was like, uh, you know, I guess because they didn't really want him uh, anymore. But, um, you know, it's... It is what it is. It's the price you pay for being the best. You know, a lot of people hate you. <laughs> a lot of people. But then, you know, don't forget, there's more Madridistas in Spain. Like, Real Madrid is the most followed team in all the regions. Like, whenever you, whenever Real Madrid travels anywhere in Spain, they have a lot of fans. But it's normal that the local teams of each, you know, we're like the Yankees of, uh, you know, uh, soccer in Spain. Probably more important than the Yankees, I would say. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, there's fans everywhere. It's a normal thing. But I think also because of the explosion of soccer and how it has grown and all the local teams have grown so much, you know, then people from... And I think it's right. I mean, you 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 have to support your local team. Um, in my case, I my family was all Real Madrid, and you know, right. a family plays an important role in in who you support. So I was a Madridista since I was you know a young kid. But I'm telling you that it was you know Valencia was a very Madridista ground. In Barcelona, for example, there's like in Catalonia, I think there's like one or two million Madridistas. There's a ton of people who love Real Madrid in Catalonia. It's the probably the second community with more more Madridistas in, in whole Spain after Madrid. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, you know, it's it, what comes out in the media sometimes is not really what, what the reality of everything is. There, I think there's more Peñas, the, the place where more Peñas, there are more Peñas. Peñas is the supporters club, of okay. like the Spanish term for supporters club. It's Catalonia. The Madridistas there are absolutely crazy. They just love Real Madrid there. Passion, and they're so, behind enemy territory at that point. Like that's they've almost got to be like either in the shadows or more out and proud and be like, no. A lot of them, a lot of them are Espanol fans too, because it has to be hard to be Espanol fan in Catalonia when Barca just accumulates absolutely everything there. Because in in Madrid, actually, Atlético has a huge fan base, and Madrid too. So it's a healthy 
coverage in the media, but in Bars- in Catalonia, Espanol is sort of like outcast, kind of a little bit. So uh, whoever doesn't want to follow mainstream <laughs> in Catalonia, they follow Espanol. And it's funny because a lot of the, when we, I think we, uh, a lot of tourists come to our Peña, a lot of people from uh, Spain, socios, like they actually own, uh, they're part owners of Real Madrid, the, the original socios. And a lot of Espanol fans sometimes when we were playing Barca or, or a Clásico or when we were about to win a league, they would come with their Espanol flag <laughs> and celebrate with us. <laughs> wow. So it, it's really awesome. There, there's a, like, a, of course, they, you know, they have beat us and there's a, you know, you always have to play the game to, you know, they don't let us win or anything because a lot of people say, oh, yeah, they're going to let you win. But no, Espanol are, are a great club that has to really, I would say, uh, their, their fans, you, you can tell whoever is a Espanol fan is a true fan because you know, it's not easy to be a non-Barca fan in Catalonia. Wow. Same thing with, with Real Madrid. But right. at least Real Madrid wins, you know, so you have something. <laughs> you yeah. know, so Espanol fans are really like, I really have a lot of respect for, for them. They're sort of, from what you're describing, they're sort of like the punk rock version of a fan. It's like, let's go left of center. Let's just, you know, do our own thing and, you know, but keep keep the spirit alive. You know, let's, uh, as you said, not follow the mainstream part of it all. I think that's the beauty of football, soccer. It's that there's a place for everyone in fandom. You know, you you can always find your the team that really suits your your heart or your passions or whatever, you know. Right. There's, there's a team for everyone. <laughs> For sure. You know, and growing up in Spain where soccer is a religion, but it's also a male dominated religion. What was it like being a woman who loved the team and the sport so much growing up in that country where it was very, you know, patriarchal? Well, the the good thing about growing up in the and I'm dating myself, (laughs) I'm aging myself, (laughs) growing up in the 80s and 90s is that it wasn't. It, it was seamless. It was truly like you didn't, it, of course, yes, I knew that women didn't play soccer much and didn't follow soccer much, but I didn't feel different. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel cast out. In fact, I remember play, playing in, you know, um, at recess at the school, we would play soccer instead of playing whatever, you know, doctors and mamas and papas, the girls were playing that. I don't, I don't like that that much. So I played with another friend of mine, girlfriend. Uh, we play soccer. And we were, uh, back then it was like two teams and they would just choose, you know, you had two captains and they would choose people. We were always the last ones because we were the worst, (laughs) quote unquote. But honestly, we had so much fun. I got so much better playing with the guys. Um, I really later on became, you know, played uh, soccer here in the U.S. I was in Georgia Tech soccer team in the actual, you know, they called me Ronaldinha. It was very good. <laughs> but Ronaldinha because of the girlfriend of Pat Ronaldo, not the, not the Ronaldinho, the other, the Barca Ronaldinho. But anyways, I really improved a lot through playing with the guys. And I never felt, they never treated me badly or anything. You know, it's just fair. You know, you're worse. You're the last one, you know, pick up the pace and then we'll pick you, we'll pick up, you know, you'll, you'll be moving up. So I'm really, I had a lot of fun and I never felt different and nobody ever made me feel different because that's what happened in the eighties. I think there was less attention on that Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was a little bit more natural and so 
you know, to me being a soccer fan, like I said, I'd never been made foul, be uh, made feel bad because of it because I was a woman. It, and that was for me. It was very easy to create this club as a woman because it just was who I was. Right. Nobody, nobody was like, oh, well, you know, you don't belong here. Not at all. I mean, if you're passionate about something, it doesn't matter who you are. You know. Right. It's funny how like how you were touching on earlier about um, what is put the portrayals of things, whether it is through the media or how things get talked about in context of um, different. Um, uh different like i guess like like societies like how they view things because it always seemed to be that you know like look soccer's a religion in spain everybody can go and attend but it's really just the guys that play and now you're obviously you know showing the contrary which is fantastic and the fact that it was so like welcoming for you is great i feel like a pioneer because you know later on when everybody is like you know yeah we man, like you know hey i walked that walk a long time ago man i mean <laughs> you don't have to give me any <laughs> lessons or anything yeah. and i think it has to be all more natural i think you know trying to it, when it comes to you know just let let whoever if you like soccer play soccer if you like basketball play regardless of who you are you know and that's really what i think the mentality back in the 80s i like i said i didn't feel like uh, i don't know if if anyone had a different experience but i don't think so i mean i think i remember playing soccer in college and we had a, a girls team and none of us were traumatized or anything <laughs> not at all we were all having fun and you know it, it was a very natural thing i think it's just the media now because it's the narrative they have to highlight all these things but it was more natural than that and i'm glad now that i mean it's true that in the u.s it was a a girl sport there was more women playing soccer and now the men are catching up and now there's more fans on both you know on both sides but i'm glad that that was the case in the u.s because of course women's soccer was more is more advanced here in the u.s but now it's, it's catching up in Europe too. Like Real Madrid has a, a, a girls uh, women's team. Fantastic. You know, it's um, Madrid is also synonymous with winning. It's in the DNA and the fabric of the crest. I mean, that crown is so like it, that, that's yeah. it. That, it's, you know, crowns on top. But last season we saw something that nobody expected <laughs> in the modern footballing world was that Real Madrid were considered underdogs in the Champions League and in the Champions League final, the team that has won it the most, the team that has won it with these beautiful victories against so many amazing clubs, and they were the underdogs because of how football has shifted because of the money these days. For you, what was that like, and what did that victory of all of the Champions League victories mean? Uh, it was one of the best, to be honest. I mean, it's hard to choose because we've had some pretty amazing ones. But I have to say, it was glorious. I'm sure a lot of new Madridistas were born and were born not only because of <laughs> the celebration, but because of new people that actually saw that and they're like, this is what football is all about. This is what soccer is all about. Mm-hmm. The underdog. I mean, to call Real Madrid an underdog, I mean, seriously, the, the, the audacity. And they still put us as fifth favorites this year. I'm like, okay. Good luck with that. Right. Please do that because that's gonna like motivate us to get, <laughs> to to do it again. <laughs> it was great. I think the greatest part was I was watching the you know it's on Paramount Plus now and and the commentators are so pro English teams and so pro Anglo. So it was like Carragher and I think 
I think Thierry Henry, who used to play for Barca, was the only commentator that actually was like, guys, we're talking about Real Madrid. Why are you like, you know, disrespecting them so much? They've actually won three not long ago. <laughs> and uh, and so it was just hilarious to see the after, like they were like so like pompous. Yeah, well, you know, have no chairs, blah, blah, blah. And then after we beat them, how did that happen? How did that happen? <laughs> it was just, it was so sweet um so amazing it's really i mean the, we have a saying it's called hasta el final vamos real which means until the end let's go real mm-hmm. and it truly was you know that whole champions league run was that it, it was the definition of our our chant until the end we're gonna fight um it really that's that's the spirit of remedy a lot of people think of remedy as the galacticos and, you know, right. perhaps that's what the media, the hype and all that. But Real Madrid has always been about fighting. And, and Real Madridistas in general, we, we care about winning, of course, but we mostly care about competing, about, you know, we will not be harsh on the team if they've given their all mm-hmm. and they've put everything in the field. If we feel that they haven't done that and they haven't reached their full potential, then, yes, we will we be ruthless for them. I think, but if you if you give your best and you try until the end, and if you really let's say you're a player that is supposed to give 100 percent, you get 120, then then we will, uh, regardless of the result, support you. And I think that's been shown time and time again throughout the career of Vinicius. Because like I remember when he first oh stopped Madrid, yeah. everybody was booing him. Oh, he's all hype. He's this. Now, could you imagine that team without him? I mean, yeah, I mean. Like, I think, like, that's a perfect example of that. Like, that kid has worked his tail off to get to where he is to play for one of the greatest clubs in the world at the highest level and is now a hero, you know? And also, and again, like, the fact that, like, even Benzema has had to walk out of the shadows of Ronaldo and, uh, uh, you know, when all the other players had left and Gareth Bale and he was the sole leader now up front, and people are still now, like, even now, like, as you mentioned, Jamie uh, Jamie Carragher, there was Micah Richards, who was sort of in the middle of last season going, oh, well, I, I rate Benzema, Benzema now. And Thierry Henry saying, wait, what? Like, now? Now is... I'm sorry, but, but why is he commentating? He sounds very ignorant with a lot of the comments that he made. Or at least that, you know, he only knows about one part of the story. Like, I, how can you bring in someone? And I'm sorry, but I don't know him personally. He seems like a right, really nice guy, but... But, you know, you've really made a, a fool out of yourself in front of TV. And why are you still, you know, it's just, anyway. And I'm not, I was not a huge Benzema fan. I think Benzema was missing a, 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 the goal-scoring hunger that Ronaldo had and that he had it last year. But, I mean, to say that stuff, that's, I don't know, that was kind of disrespectful. Um, and that's, but anyway, regarding the players, I think what a lot of people don't understand about Real Madrid um, especially premiership because it's a different culture. It's more like, okay, let them grow, let them, you know, there's more patience, let them grow, they'll develop, blah, blah, blah. Ramadan is sink or swim. <laughs> it's sink or swim. Right, right. It's, you know, to be, uh, you can be the best player in whatever. And the, like Hazard, unfortunately, and uh, you come to Real Madrid and you might sink. 
or you know you have to prove that you have that mentality that that resilience up here in in your in not only you have to have the quality but you have to be tough mentally because uh you know we have whistled we have i wouldn't say boot but you know Zidane had has gotten whistles uh i think ronaldo too the, the other ronaldo probably cristiano too but cristiano cristiano really encompasses what real madrid is he, he was he was the the work ethics and the excellence and the wanting to win he was a perfect fit for us mm-hmm. and so and when Vinicius, the guy i mean I didn't see it coming, to be honest, because right. uh, everyone said he had a lot of potential. And literally, literally, our attack was going through him all the time, but he was atrocious at decision-making right. in the last third. So we were not sure what was going to happen. And probably last season, if he had not break it, he would have sunk. So, right. um, so, yeah, I mean, that's another story. But the guy has is mentally strong. He's totally Real material. Totally I like to say idea. that his uh, his development is thanks to one King Carlo Ancelotti, but that's just me because I'm biased. Favorite <laughs> manager of all time. You and I have talked about this. Um, what was that like for you to have him return to the club? Well, and going back to last season, what you were saying, uh, I have to say nobody believed in him. I mean, we really love Carlo Ancelotti, Madridistas. Even before, if you take out last season, now he's like in the pantheon of love, like he's out there. We just adore the man. And his son, by the way, who's like the, the second coach. Yeah. Uh, but you have to think how we, we, we ended last season. I think we lost La Liga. I mean, the, not last season, the previous season, the season where he came in. We had lost La Liga. We didn't win any titles, I think, when he came in. And... We missed out on Mbappé, I think. Anyway, so it was not a, a start of the season that was very auspicious, right? Nobody really thought, okay, well, I guess maybe Jamie Carragher was right. <laughs> After all. Uh, and so then we're like, oh, can Ancelotti back from Everton? We were like, why? I mean, uh, we thought, you know, it was a fair, uh, a fair thought. But... I have to give credit to him again. He's he just because he Real Madrid's coach again. We are a sink or swim, and coach wise, it has to be not only a tactical person, but it has to be a people's manager. Right. Uh, you cannot just be coming as a tactical genius, but have absolutely no left hand. No, you know, you have to be able to know how to treat players, and he's the absolute king in that. I mean, he's just Carlo is such a of course, he's won everything too, you know. Uh, he's been a player. He, he was at Milan, who kind of like really was our big rival back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he sort of managed to lift the spirits of a team that was kind of a bit down because that, that season before he came in was very disappointing in a lot of ways. And also we were expecting to have Mbappé that summer, which mm-hmm. would have, you know, lifted the spirit. So it was kind of... A bit of a gloom, but he managed to develop all, uh, you know, Benefius. I mean, Benefius now is probably going to be the third in Ballon d'Or, I think. Yeah. They say that he's going to be up there. Right now, he's the third best player in the world or the best player in the world. You know, if you take the whole season, he's probably the best player along with Benzema. Um, So that's just amazing. We don't need Mbappe anymore. (laughs) We're supposed to. He was a Mbappé place where Vinicius plays. 
so right now in, in Real Madrid's mentality, we're like, well, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's going to take his place. So, but we don't want to because Vinicius, not only he, he bleeds Real Madrid. I mean, he loves the team. He's that kind of mentality. And he's, yes, he might make the wrong decisions sometimes, but, you know, he, he's such a constant flow of attack. You know, all our attack goes there. He's the main source of danger uh, for Real Madrid. So he's going to make some wrong decisions. So what? He's not a cyborg. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but he just like, he's the reason why people pay a ticket to watch soccer. I mean, the, the things that he can come up with, you never know. He's so explosive. And the fact that, I mean, Madrid has tied him down that they're going to have, he's not even in his prime yet. And exactly. And I think Ancelotti, Ancelotti was good because he said, you know, I think probably he gave him a few, he just calmed him down. And he gave him the confidence, like, doesn't matter if you miss five. I'm going to put you the next uh, game, too. You're going to be able to miss another five until you get them, because I believe in you. So that that was really good. That was all Ancelotti. And uh, and, and Minitius himself, give him credit, too, because he actually is has a really strong work ethic. He wants to improve. He wants to be the best. And that's really the kind of players we want. And another player that nobody talks about is Rodrigo too, because he was. Right. There are our, our baby Brazilians. We love them, <laughs> um, and they're super Madridistas. Camavinga, he's great too. All the young players. We're very excited because we. It's the first, you know, the first time we kind of develop players like that, in the middle of what it be, you know, in the middle of having to win everything. It's very difficult to develop players. And you know, you have to. Especially, you have to really choose them. You have to know what players should come to develop here. It has to have, again, that kind of mentality, the sink or swim, the, the, you know, you have to just keep fighting and really be honest with yourself. What's your top potential and do it. And in the minutes that you get given, you know, don't expect that you're going to be, you know, given just because you cost a lot, you're not going to be given all the minutes. You have to earn it. Because, you know, you have Modric, you have Kroos, you have a ton of people ahead of you that have won everything. So so it, they have actually, it's, it's, it's worked out last season. And Ancelotti, I give him all the credit because he's, he's just unbelievable with, with players. And tactically, he's good too, by the way. He's Italian. Right. I mean, that's, if that's you know, I, I, he won't coach the national team. I don't think he ever will, but man, I love it. But the thing is, too, is that he also has a good deal with veterans as well, because you see him on the sidelines when Marcelo was still on the teams chatting with Marcelo, like, what should I do next? Like in making it more, not less of a dictatorship, more of a democracy among the veterans. But the other thing, too, with him especially, and this is my Micah Richards, Jamie Carragher moment, I never really rated Courtois as a keeper. I thought he was just a very good shot stopper. He's a tall guy. Last season, he blew me away. I could not believe this was the same guy that I would watch at Chelsea week in and week out. And I see him in Spain going, wow. Like he looked like a completely different player than even when he first arrived at Madrid the season prior or two seasons prior. I was completely shocked and blown away by his development. And to do that and be able to do that for a veteran is unbelievable. So again, it all, it, it, Kind of last year was sort of the perfect storm of everything that you were talking about, of what it means to be a Madridista, to to work hard, to please the fans, and do what it is that is going to make you win. 
I mean, it's a combination of really being humble and knowing when you're not really being the, uh, if you think you're so good that you're making so much money, prove it, you know, prove it on the field. I don't care your social media likes or whatever, you know, whoever says and whatever journalists, prove it on the field. And not only that, give 120% every time. And that's why we adore Luka Modric. That's why he's the most loved player in the team. And I hope that he lasts till 45. Because he is the embodiment of, really, Luka Modric is the embodiment of what, you know, we love in a player. Quality and work ethics. Mm -hmm. And having the honesty to say when you're not at your best, admit it. And just fight to come back. And I think Courtois had the same thing. He knew he was not his best. And, of course, a goalkeeper is also as good as his defense, too. You know, right. sometimes if the defense is not there, you, the goalkeeper cannot stop everything. But um, I think Courtois stepped up. And that, you know, that's really Madrid is, is, is it's a different beast. I don't think there's a team like that anywhere else because you might think you have it all and then you come with us and you're like, oops, uh, this is tougher than I thought. Because the pressure <laughs> of having to win all the time, the pressure to perform all the time, you have to have a special mentality to, to do that. And do it in that cathedral, the Santiago Bonabeo. Have you ever been yeah. there before? Yes, many times, many Explain times. Explain to yes. me the atmosphere. What is it like walking into this gladiator dome basically <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately i have never been there in like a champions league like a one of those nights mm -hmm. the, from last year uh it's it's really interesting because if the team is not sometimes the team has to like really warm up the fans too so it, it is an imposing feel because it's so enclosed that you know mm -hmm. but when the bernabeu roars it's just crazy it's absolutely crazy. I remember being there in the early O's uh, 2000s uh, when Woodgate was playing with for us. And I was at the bottom and I think I wanted to watch Zidane and he was injured so I couldn't, I can see him. But I think the referee made some really horrible calls. I think he expelled one player and the, and the Bernabeu was absolutely like, you know, I've never, the decibels there was like, I just can't imagine when when the Bernabeu roars, because it's it's not often, you know, you you know, the Bernabeu has to roar for a good reason. Either the team needs it, or the team is playing like like wonderful, and everybody's, or we really need to come back or something like that. I can feel for the players that are at the Bernabeu at that precise moment because it puts the players on trance. Mm -hmm. Really, it, it's it was a such a loud. I I I haven't seen anything like that. In a, you know, when, when everybody, you know, the whole Bernabeu was like really against the referee before uh, an unfair call. Wow. It's just, yeah. Wow. Um, I want to just talk about you for a, for a little bit now. In 2000, sure. you moved to New York City uh, from Spain. What caused your move to come across the Atlantic? Um, well, I did, I, I, uh, I did get a, um, a scholarship to do research. So, you know, I, I came to the U.S. I always loved New York. Mm -hmm. I started out in Atlanta. That was where the scholarship was. And then I said, I want to live in New York. I love New York. <laughs> I don't know why, but I've always wanted to live here. And so I, I got another scholarship to do a, a degree here, a, a master's degree and a research assistantship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I moved to the city. And, 
that's that's really it. Just uh, living, experiencing living in New York, working here in the U.S. I think professionally was probably better for me. What was it like? Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. Sure. No, no. Go ahead. What was it like coming to America and watching soccer in the city when you first got here? So it's funny because I feel old because back then it wasn't what it is now. The the you know there was not a lot of talk about soccer at all it was kind of very like elite group <laughs> the soccer fans <laughs> and so I remember watching uh I moved to New York in 2000 and I remember watching the Sisu that I lived in Manhattan in the Upper West Side in a really tiny bedroom uh, two-bedroom apartment my room was super tiny 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 we, I call it the box the, the shoe box uh and I remember watching Sisu score that wonderful goal that gave us the la, la novena, the ninth Champions League, and being so happy. Oh my God, we won the Champions League again. And I was alone. <laughs> and I used to watch the games with my father all the time when I was in Spain. And it was that that prompted me to find other fans in New York. And back then, Google was not what it is now. <laughs> and so I think Craigslist was the thing. And I posted something, where can I watch soccer in New York City? <laughs> And someone responded, he's a good friend of mine, Cesar, and you can probably have him in your, because he's a big Valencia fan. Oh, I love and he's it. 100% American. He's from, uh, from upstate New York, by the way. Right. So he has a very interesting story. And he responded, well, there's a bar called Nevada's Mitts that everyone goes to for That's soccer. Right. It has all the games. And I'm like, okay, I must go there. So I took my boyfriend at the time. I started going there with my boyfriend at the time, was uh, later my husband. And... Oh, it was year 2002 when Lano and I was, was there. We won the ninth Champions League. So anyway, I started going there every weekend. And literally, it had all the fans of every single team that you can imagine. It was Barca was there, Manchester United. I believe Liverpool is the only club that had a separate bar. Uh, but, you know, all the, all the supported clubs were there. And Ramadi didn't have one. And so for like two, three years, we were going there. And unfortunately, those two, three years after we won the, the ninth Champions League were not very good for us. Ronaldinho exploded. And so the ones that we were there going to the, the bar the, every weekend to the bar, we were diehards. Like I remember Classicos where we were expected to be obliterated. And it was five of us. And we ended up, going, we ended up tying 3-3 three, three at the cup now. And <laughs> so it was like six of us, yeah, <laughs> surrounded by Barca fans. <laughs> Those were the times. And so that that was really the, you know, the that group of diehard Madridistas that were there, at, you know, because everybody thinks Real Madrid and winning, but, you know, we don't win all the time. <laughs> and so that group of, like, really diehard Madridistas, we sort of were the 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 origins of the supporters club later on. And then, I don't know if you remember, Capello, another Italian That's right. uh, mastermind. Uh, so we won a Liga that nobody expected us to win. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the last, also the last minute, it was like crazy. It was just similar to this, uh, you know, all the Madridistas will remember it. It's La Liga de Capello, we call it. <laughs> and so uh, literally, it, what, there was one game where we needed to win and Barca needed to lose to like to be the first and it was the second it was the last second to last game of the liga 
And so at Nevada's, the Barca fans were at the top because they were more important and they were older and, you know, whatever. And we were at the bottom floor. And over the course of 90 minutes, we were eliminated. Barca was two or one zero up with a, a goal with the hand, by the way. You know, no war back then. <laughs> we were like completely shattered. Barca had celebrating. Yeah, campeones. And then we were tying. We needed another goal. Barca ended up tying. They needed to lose for another goal. So we, we experienced a whole gamut of emotions in 90 minutes. And we ended up being on top at the end of that in the last minute too. Because Espanol scored a goal in the like last minute two at Barcelona at, at the no camp. And so the last the last game, it was the Beckham, the only Liga that David Beckham won. I don't That's know. right. And so we ended up being on top of it. That was absolutely crazy. The range of emotions. It was similar to the like I just everyone will remember. And so after that uh, that game, I started collecting because you know, uh, but Madridistas will show up for the big games. <laughs> so I started collecting emails. Okay, give me your email. We're going to start Supporters Club. And so that's that. That is when we started the, the the supporters club in 2000. I forgot what year is seven or eight. I forgot. That is seven. A- 2007. 2007. I love that origin story. Yeah, and so we started then, and it's been it's been great because I missed. You know, it's be, it's giving me a family. You know, New York is a it's a town that is fantastic. It's wonderful, but a lot of people come and go. And it's hard to find a constant, a constant thing in your life, right? Especially for someone like me who has no family here. And a lot of people come here and have no families too. And so we have become a family through Real Madrid. And so it's like, we're like the cheers, you know, where everybody knows your name. Like we go to the bar and we all know each other. And we know that even if we lose, there's going to be people there. And, you know, weekend in, weekend out. It's it's a beautiful thing we've had. We've had marriages. We've had kids that have you know been born as a result of people meeting uh, at the Peña. It's one of the, the the good sides of soccer and and Real Madrid in this case. It's just the the sense of community, people coming together from all backgrounds and walks of life. I mean, I would have never met people that I've met and and become friends with if it wasn't for for soccer and Real Madrid and and this Peña. Wow. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yes. You know, so next time you think about watching at home, you know, maybe you should go to a, a, your local bar. And, and it, no, it really is. I, I did miss watching soccer with, with fans, with people that, that whereas, uh, you know, I used to watch it with my father when I was in Spain and I didn't have anyone like that. No, my father is as much of a fan as I am. We're both crazy for Real Madrid. So I needed to see it with other people that were equally crazy. And I expected just five or six, but now it's like crazy. I mean, I think it's better than the Bernabeu, I tell you. There's a video out there with the reaction video. Just just Google it. Uh, Peña Marista, New York City against Manchester City. It's madness. People just fight to get into our, not fight, but, you know, to get into our bar in a big game. It's like, it's, it's the highest ticket that you can get for Real Madrid. Because the ambience is absolutely crazy. So I managed to be surrounded by people are just as crazy for Real Madrid as me. So that's just wonderful. How does it make you feel that you started this? You look around that room and say, this is me. <laughs> this was me. This was me. 
Oh no, it was not just me. It was, of course, I feel very proud because, uh, but it was a lot of people helped me along the way. Like I remember my VP, Sergio, uh, another VP, he moved to Texas and then we had to put another, Kathy, who's, who's uh, another girl. We have a lot of girls in our board. Um, Tiffany that has been helping Danny, you know, a lot of people that really give their free time for the better men of the group. And so, yes, it's been me, but it's been many other people who really help you along the way because they have that same passion for Real Madrid and for, you know, again, giving your free time for something, it's, (laughs) you really have to be a good person and also really love Real Madrid. So... (laughs) You know, where can people find the Pene Madrista New York City Supporter Club when they're in town and how can they keep up with everything that you're doing? Well, I mean, we're, we, our website is realmadridnyc.com, but, you know, you also, uh, we meet at a bar called Playwright Irish Pub on the 35th Street in between Broadway and Fifth Avenue. We are on social media, uh, Instagram, you know, you can just put Real Madrid NYC and we'll be the first ones to pop up. Um, so yeah, people find us all the time, <laughs> especially around big you. games, <laughs> especially around big games too. I mean, and now the word of mouth is, you know, there's a big game. That's where you want to go. That's where you want to be. So it, it really is a beautiful feeling like, uh, to, it, it really didn't start as something big. It's like, it was out of like, Hey, Ramadi needs a Pena in New York. Come on. Everybody else has it. We have to have it. And then just seeing that your passion has become the passion of many others. It's beautiful. And again, I think that's really what differentiates soccer from everything else. Because we do are, we are a family. And I, I think I can expect, you know, it's, it's the same feeling for many other teams too. I mean, Ramadan is not different, but right. like all the other supporters club have that same feeling. It's like a family. And I, I think it's soccer, you know, it has that kind of, it's a sport that is passionate enough. You have enough time to socialize <laughs> and watch the game at the same time, but it's also thrilling that you you want to you want to be there, right? For the moment where they score the goal. Now, time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City, but you can get it anywhere in the world from ModCup.com. Mod Cup, drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. Three rapid-fire questions. Okay. Pertains to Madrid. Uh, So we're going to start off. If you could bring back one retired player to your club, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Well, see, (laughs) Dan. He has to be always with us. Um, He was my favorite. He is my favorite player. I love him. He's, I've never seen anyone like him in my life. And, you know, now Modric is rapidly going up to Zidane, but there was this is this is my guy, Zidane. I love him. He's right. the best. Now, money is not an option. I know that's a weird thing to say to a Madrid fan, but we're good. No money here. No, it doesn't hey, matter. Hey, uh, we are the poor ones now. There's two rich guys now, PSG and Man City can buy anyone, basically. So I'm sorry, we're not, we don't fit that anymore. All right. <laughs> Way to go. But yes, we're, we're the richest club that makes the money on its own. Yes. There we go. <laughs> if Madrid could sign one player, active player today, who would it be and why? Alan. I've always wanted him over Mbappe. Oh, wow. Okay. 
If there it's is us to win, strange... I'm sorry, go to win, to win, you need mostly. I mean, yes, you need a midfield, you need defense, but you need a good goalkeeper and a really ruthless uh, goal scorer. And Halan is that. I love it. I love the guy. There is a rumor flying around that Madrid in 2024 may make a bid for him. We do need a forward because Benzema is not going to last forever. Um, I hope so, though. I, I don't like the fact that they're like like these two guys in particular. And thanks to Real Madrid's interest, they're beginning to like be, be, believe that they're like gods. Um, it's like, okay, whatever. You know, you're starting to get on my nerves too. So we might just go for someone else now. Go and have your fun <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> no, I, um, I hope so. But I, but I hope he doesn't do what he did to Man City with this. Like, okay, I think, you know, he doesn't put that, you know, two-year clause to go somewhere else later on. Because that would be kind of an insult in a way for Real Madrid. So I hope, I mean, I think he's, my goodness, we were, you know, it, it, they're the team to beat Man City this year at the Champions League. I agree. If they don't do it now with... That's not to say that we, I believe, all Madridistas believe, even though we think that, for example, it, probably with Haaland, they're you know, last year was difficult to beat them. We believe we can do it. You know, we, we don't feel inferior to them. If we play to our best, we can beat them. History is on your so, side. Never say die, you know? So, yes, Halan, Halan. Okay. Absolutely. I like him. He's, he's a beast. And finally, he is, he is a realm of mentality, too, by the way. Yeah. For what you described, yeah, for sure. That work ethic, that just let's keep going, you know. Want to be the best. Right. I want to score. The only thing he needs is to have a little bit more love for a crest, you know, because you cannot just, you know, you know, you have to settle somewhere. <laughs> Very good point. And finally, what has been your favorite moment as a fan? That's impossible. I mean, I'm pretty old. I've had so many moments. I want to give you three. Okay. Three. And they're all Champions League. So it's 98. We won the Champions League in 98 against Juventus. Sorry, I know you're Italian, but... No, it's okay. I hate Juventus. Uh, against, it's fine. It's against, okay. It's... Oh, okay. Against <laughs> his, uh, Juventus with Zidane, Lippi, Del Piero, Davids. They were like the one. And we were the underdogs. And guess who scored that goal? Mijatovic. <laughs> and we had not, you know, growing up as a Madrid fan, you always think Champions League back up until that point. It was like Champions League, Champions League is where the... Reyes de Europa, the kings of Europe. But we had only won six at that point. We were still at the top, but we hadn't won it in 32 years. Right, right. So winning it, winning that, winning that one was like, you know, it was like, uh, you know, removing like when the ketchup gets stuck at the, at the top and then you just like hit the bottle. That was that. It was just removing the ketchup from the top and then it's just like... Now we have what? How many? Fourteen. So <laughs> it went from la septima. It went like we double in just a few years, twenty years, less than twenty years. So that was unbelievable. I remember watching at home with my father. I was having dinner and I almost threw all my plates on the floor when he scored. And my my uh, my uncles came. They said we went to the main plaza and we gave champagne to the dog. It was. It was beautiful. That that I will always remember. That's why he's a hero. And the second moment is La Decima, the 10th, Sergio Ramos, minute 93. Again, 
the significance of that one is because Barca had been winning a lot of Champions League. We had been really close many years and we were playing Atletico for that sake. Right. How could right. it be to lose to Atletico? I mean, they would have for, forever and ever and ever reminded us that. It, because the rivalry with Atletico is really big. And of course, the, the way it happened the last minute. I mean, again, that was another one that the owner of the bar we were, which was not playwright, we, we moved later. He was talking to his wife at that precise moment where Sergio Ramos scored. And, <laughs> and he, was, he was like, honey, I have to hang up. I've never seen anything like this in my life. <laughs> the, the ceiling of that bar was full of like champagne and, and beer and everything. It was just crazy. And again, I will always remember I was pregnant at that time. And I thought, oh, my God, I've killed her. I've killed her. <laughs> With all the emotions, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> because it's crazy, crazy, crazy. I was like, I think I was seventh, uh, seventh month or six months. Anyway. Beautiful moment. And of course, last year, I actually was in Paris. I, it was the first final of the Champions League that I've ever been to. And I couldn't watch for most of the final. I was like, just, I couldn't watch. Because Liverpool was like, really. But when they missed so many chances, I, I said, we're going to win this thing. Because that's what we always do. <laughs> so it was, I mean, I cried. I, uh, I called my parents when I was there when we won. And we were like crying. It was beautiful just for how the whole run of it and being my first Champions League final live, like a dream come true. I, now I don't care about it anymore. Like, I've already achieved my dream. I met Sisu, I've met Modric, and I've seen the Champions League final. So I've, I've lived all my dreams. And, and just to end that run and to win it the way that we want, I mean, the whole thing, and me being there, I just, it doesn't get any better than that. But with Real Madrid, you never know. You know? <laughs> I still have many more years, but I, I'm going to be, I think when I'm 80 or something, people are, are going to be like, oh my God, you were there at the 14. I mean, because, you know, we, we have that about people that watch the Stefano play. It's like, oh my God, how amazing it must have been. So I've seen Zidane play. I've seen all these great players. <clears throat> and I've witnessed this golden era of Real Madrid. Oh, so yes, Elena, we could go in all day, but this is so great. Thank you so much for coming on. Sure. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate this. And uh, what's the saying? A la Madrid? A la Madrid, of course. That's <laughs> all right. Thank you again. No, thank you. It was a great interview. I would have stayed another hour if you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do a part two down the line. We can talk about La Liga later and how underrated it is at all some right. point. <clears throat> All right, let's do a follow-up on that. Let's do La Liga. Yes, let's do the Spanish yes. national team. How about that? Oh, well, that's going to be difficult right now. But yes, sure. <laughs> we'll do it after no, the I World mean, Cup. Yeah, the, yes, let's do it after the World Cup. Okay. That would be we'll interesting. Be... I would love to talk about that. Let's do it right after. Okay, let's maybe for season five then. I'll have you first, my first guest back to back. Oh, okay. Back oh, oh, I feel honored. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be in touch. Well, thank you so much. It was a great interview, and I hope uh, I represent the Madridista as well. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Ana Madrid. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.